Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. She would never, uh, she always had to sing that before we left. <laughs> All right. We're going to be in John chapter 3, and we're going to sing, we're going to, we're going to sing, we're going we're gonna to read verses 22 to 29. But first, before we do that, we'll talk a little bit about the book of John. The book of John is summed up in John chapter 20, verse 20 and 21 where it says, and many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, but these signs have been written about that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you might have what? Life in his name. And so the book of John was written so that we might look at those miracles, the miracles that Jesus did. Remember every time Jesus did a miracle, he wasn't just showing off or anything else, but what he was doing is he was showing he was God. He was God over time. He was God over distance. He's God over nature. He's God over creation. He's God over demons. He's God over life. He's God over death. He's God over everything, right? And so we see those seven miracles. We say seven witnesses. Remember Peter in chapter 6 says, To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Because everybody else is pretty well left. And Jesus says, will you lead me too? And he said, where are we going? You alone have the words of eternal life, right? And then there was also seven I am statements. The, uh, he's the bread of life, the living water. He's the resurrection into life. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's all that and so much more. And so John starts this book out. He doesn't give us any genealogy, any birth. Uh, narrative but what does he do he goes straight to the heart of the matter in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God and he did what he created all things and all things were created by him and for him and nothing was created it was created without him but he created it all and he says in him was what life right not just physical life but spiritual life and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it nor could it overcome it. And then he goes on to tell us about a witness named John. And he wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, right? That all through him might believe. And so he told them about Jesus, how he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he was just the newspaper boy. And he said, read all about it. Jesus is coming. You better get right. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make your way straight. And get right with the Lord. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about John the Baptist today. But, but what happens is we see the miracle of the water and the wine in chapter 2 is the first one. And then we see in, in uh, 
He cleanses the temple in chapter 2. And we see in chapter 3 that Nicodemus, he's come by night and, and he walks away an unsaved man because he doesn't understand even though he has all this scripture up here in his head. They had to have, to be a Pharisee, you had to know five books of the Bible. I memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there were only about 6,000 of these people, but they became prideful, arrogant, and prestigious. And they liked their popularity, they liked their prestige, and they liked all that. And so John represents the Pharisees, but he can't get it through his thick head that Jesus is, is very easy. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, right? He said, God so loved the world. And so after this, we see that Jesus tells John that, that people don't come to the Lord because why? Because their deeds are evil and they love the darkness rather than the light. That's why people won't come to Christ. They love the darkness rather than light with the same kind of willful love that God loved us when he died on the cross and loved us no matter who we were, no matter what we were, no matter what we were going to become. He loved us and he died for us the same way people love their sin and they won't come to Christ because they love their sin more than they love God. So in verse 22 of chapter 3 it says, After these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Enon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is fulfilled. Therefore he must increase. He must increase, but I must decrease. So let's stop right there today. And so we want to see some things about this. We see that after John, after Jesus talks to Nicodemus, what happens? Jesus and his disciples, they go into the land of Judea and he remains with them and they're baptizing there. And remember there were two different kind of baptisms going on here. The baptism that Jesus and his disciples were doing which Jesus wasn't actually baptizing it says that in another place but he wasn't actually baptizing but his disciples were baptizing right and so they're baptizing out in this wilderness and, and the word uh, Enon it means many springs and so there were all these springs and so they were baptizing people now John was doing a baptism of repentance in other words he was saying you need to get right with God because he's coming and he was just it was a baptism of repentance saying I need to get right with God and it was mainly a lot of times the Jews would not be baptized like that because they to be baptized like that by John was to say I'm as a, as a Gentile 
And there were three prayers that the Jewish people would pray, the Pharisees would pray. Number one, I thank God I'm not a Gentile, which is everybody that isn't a Jew. Number two, I thank God I'm not a Samaritan. And number three, I thank God I'm not a woman. Ain't these guys real nice? They're real nice people, aren't they? And so that's where they came from. Remember, the Pharisees started out as this really good group that, that was trying to get people, the Jews, back to the Bible. But what happened is they became like a lot of people. They became powerful. They became popular. They became prestigious. And you know what? They began to drink their own Kool-Aid. And they thought they were better than everybody else. And that's what happens a lot of times. And so... They turned into these wicked people who did not know the Lord. They had all the scripture up here, but they didn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, some of them came to the Lord over time, but not all of them. Nicodemus comes to the Lord. Some others come to the Lord, but many of them just don't come to the Lord because they will not bow the knee to Jesus. Many people think they're too good to come to Jesus. Some people think they're too bad to come to Jesus. And the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none too good and there's none too bad that Jesus died for all of us because he said none of us is good. No, not one. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so they're out there baptizing and the baptism that Jesus' disciples are doing are about the closest thing we can uh, come to that's called a bat, uh, believer's baptism. The Bible says now what happens after Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day, that we, in Romans chapter 6, it talks about that. That when we trust Christ, we die, in a sense. We're buried and we rise again. And so baptism pictures, pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And what we're saying is when we trust in Christ, that we have died with Christ to our old way of living, our old self, we have been buried and now we're walking in newness of life because the Bible says if any man, that's men and women, boys and girls, is in Christ, we're a new creation. And so John was baptizing in Enon near Selim because there was much water there. Notice there was much water. They weren't sprinkling people. There's a perfectly good word for sprinkle. It's the word ratizo, not baptizo, but it's ratizo. And that's the word for sprinkle. But the word baptizo means to immerse. And they used it when they would dye uh, cloths and different kinds of things. And they would immerse that in there. You can't dye cloth by sprinkling on it, right? You get that tie-dye stuff they did in the 70s and it's come back now, right? When you do stuff like that. So he says they were baptizing. And they came and, and many came and were baptized for John had not yet been thrown into prison. So what happens here is, is John has not yet been thrown into prison for doing what? For telling Herod he can't be married to his brother's wife. And remember he gets put in prison and ultimately does what? He's killed. His head's taken off for preaching the truth and telling the truth. And so what God's trying to tell us here through John, the disciple John, not John the Baptist, is what he's trying to say, is there was a period of time for maybe about six months where John the Baptist and Jesus' disciples were baptizing people. And the two baptisms were totally different. One was to say, get right with God. And the other one was basically people were believing on the Lord, but they were not true believers at that time because the Holy Spirit had not been given. They 
believed and they were saved, but they had to wait until the Holy Spirit came to be in Christ like we are today. And we'll talk more about that another day. But what happens is Jesus goes out in the wilderness to do what? He wants to be alone with his disciples, but he also goes out into the wilderness because he wants to do what? He wants to create a little bit of conflict here. You know, Jesus, he's always stirring up things, but he's stirring it up for a good reason, right? Because he's trying to get people to understand that what he's doing now, John says, I must decrease and he must increase, right? And so Jesus is coming on the scene and this is the transition from John to Jesus. So Jesus is moving on to the scene and John's getting out of the way because you know what? His time's up and it's time for Jesus to come on the scene. It's time for Jesus to be the one that all the focus is on because that was always the way it was supposed to be. That Jesus dies for our sins, he's buried, he rose again because he's God in human flesh. He deserves all the honor and the glory and the praise. And so, he says here in verse 25, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. I don't know if y'all remember when we were talking about, uh, well, we haven't really, we did talk about that in John chapter 2 when the wedding feast, what happens? The wine runs out, right? And so what do they do? Jesus tells them there were six stone pots of purification sitting over there. And he tells them to fill them up with water and do what? As soon as they fill them up with water, Jesus says, take it to the master of the feast. And he takes it. And I think it was the best Welch's grape juice ever was. Because the word wine in the Bible can mean grape juice, it can mean fermented wine, because remember back then they didn't have any uh, refrigeration like we do today, right? And things just naturally ferment. I bought some uh, scuppernon uh, juice one time. It was a bottle of scuppernon juice. And I didn't even think about it. My wife says, you better start drinking that stuff or it's going to ferment. <laughs> and then you're going to be drinking alcohol. Oops, I didn't even think about that, you know, because it didn't have any preservatives in it. But I began to drink it before it, it turned into something that was I wasn't supposed to be having. At least I don't believe you are anymore. So what happens here is these pots, they would take these pots and they would use these pots to do what? Wash themselves all the time. And the Pharisees used to say with much washing, comes what much riches and much blessings from God, right? And when we see in chapter 4, when we get there, we'll see the woman at the well. What does she do? She leaves her empty water pot because she doesn't need the physical water right then. She's got the spiritual water because she's been saved from Jesus, right? And so she leaves her water pot behind, which speaks of their empty religion, their emptiness that they're trying to do and get to God by doing all these other things. Remember the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross and he said it's what? It's finished, it's done, right? But what, is, what does religion say? You gotta do something to get into heaven. Go get baptized, go get, take communion, go get confirmed, join the church, do this, don't do that. But you know what Jesus said? 
He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, Come, because when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins, your sins, and the sins of the whole world. And we sing that song that summarizes the Bible so well. Jesus paid it all. It doesn't say Jesus paid some of it or part of it or a little bit of it or 99.9%. You got to do the rest. It says Jesus paid it all, right? And so here we are. And there's these, there's these old disciples and they're, they're, they're John's disciples and they're talking about this purification and, and people are saying, well, how do we get to God? And you know what? They got to God the same way in the Old Testament as they do in the New Testament. In Genesis chapter uh, 15 verse 5 and 6, it says, God told Abraham that your descendants will be as many as the stars. And you know what? It says that Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He believed in a Jesus to come. And when we get to chapter 8, we see that, that uh, Jesus will tell the Pharisees, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. And he says, before Abraham was, what? I am, right? And so Abraham looked forward to a Jesus coming and trusted that Jesus would die on the cross for his sins, be buried, and rise again, which is what his son Isaac pictured. But you know what? We look back and we believe that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And so here this is. There's this argument, argument about, about purification. And, and I think Jesus kind of wants people to kind of get stirred up over this because he wants them to understand the true way of salvation is through Jesus and him only. It's not through all these rules and regulations. Do this and don't do that. That doesn't get you anywhere. Because the Bible says, by the deeds of the flesh shall no person be saved or justified, right? And so they came to John and they said, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. You know what? There's a little competition going on here. Now they're worried, right? Because everybody's leaving John the Baptist. And what are they doing? They're going to Jesus, right? Which is what was supposed to happen, right? That was what was always supposed to happen. And John answered and he said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. So the first thing that John tells his disciples is, you know, they're arguing about, well, you know, you know, and that's, that's what's sad is today. You know, people are, want to be this, and they want to be that, they want to be high and mighty. But you know what? Unless God puts us into place, we'll never get there, right? We can fight and scratch and claw, but unless God wants you somewhere, you can forget it because he's not going to allow that to happen, right? And I've seen that work in my life. I've seen that happen where I tried to go around, around people, through people, around God, and then finally I'd stop and say, okay, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do. And then bam, you know what? He'd do what he wanted to do because he was waiting on me to say, okay, Lord, you're in control. You're sovereign. I'm waiting on you to do what you want me to do. Then I'll do it, Lord. And then he said, okay, Marty, you found out. You, you, you learned the lesson. I'm in control. I'm on the throne. 
I'm God, you're just a man, and guess what? Now that you've learned that lesson, I can work in your life and do what I want to do with you and put you where I want you to put you because you'll be happy and satisfied where I put you now because before you wanted to do your own thing, right? And so John says, look, God is sovereign. A man can do nothing unless God gave it to him from heaven. So he says, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because God gave me this position. And if y'all remember, John the Baptist was what? The Bible says at Matthew 11 that Jesus said that of men born of women, there is none greater than John. Right? Of men born of women, there was none greater than John. He didn't use Abraham. He didn't use Joseph. He didn't use David. He didn't use Daniel. He didn't use any of those Old Testament saints. He said, none greater than John. But then his next sentence says, but those who are least in the kingdom of God are greater than John because we are in Christ. John was an Old Testament Christian. And if we trust in Christ, we're New Testament Christians. And we can do more and greater things than those Old Testament people did because we have the Spirit of God living in us and through us. And so the second thing he says here is in verse 28 he says you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ but I have been sent before him the second thing he says is look it's all about Jesus he's the preeminent one he's the one that he's the one that, that has first place he's the one that that I told you the whole time I was doing my ministry that I was doing what pointing the way to Jesus Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He told that twice. He said that twice in chapter 1. He said there's one coming whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to untie. That's what John the Baptist said about himself. He said I'm nothing but Jesus is everything. You know he didn't say he was nothing in the sense of you know, I'm a zero, but in the eyes of God, compared to God, I'm a zero, right? But you know, John the Baptist was the greatest of men because he was used of God. You know, think about this. John the Baptist was available. He was fearless in a lot of ways because he'd tell the people. He told Herod that what he was doing was wrong with, with his brother's wife. And you know what? He was willing to do the things God told him to do. And that's what we are to be doing. Whatever it is God wants us to do, we are to write him a blank check and say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do. And then sign your name. And then he can fill in the top up there, page in order, and how much, and what he wants us to do, right? But until we say, I'm willing and available, he can't use us. And then the last thing he says here is he who is... The bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. In other words, he said, I'm just the bride, I'm just the, the friend of the bridegroom. Now, back in the day, you know, a lot of times the friend of the bridegroom, what does he do? He's called his best man, right? And what does he do? A lot of times he, he ends up causing trouble for the bride and the bridegroom because they do what? mess up their cars and do all kinds of stuff. But 
in the old days, what the job of the friend of the bridegroom was, was to make sure everything happened like it was supposed to. And then the chief and the greatest job he had was to do what? Was to make sure that the bride was protected. That he kept her safe and protected until the wedding. That was his job. And when the bridegroom comes, he hands the bride to the bridegroom and says, here she is, safe and ready to go. And you know what? That's what John says. I'm just here to be the person who leads people to the one who's coming, the, 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 bride, the, the bridegroom who is Jesus, right? Y'all remember in, in Ephesians chapter 5? It says that the church is what? The bride of Christ, right? We're the bride of Christ. And one day the bridegroom's coming to get his bride, the church. And if we're his children, we've trusted in Christ, we belong to him, one day he's coming again to get us, right? And he says he rejoices because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He says, guess what? The bridegroom's coming. He's here. He's coming to get the bride. And I'm overjoyed about that. And the last thing he says is he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, that's the job of all of us. If we're a Christian, our lives should more and more, we should be saying it's not about me, but it's about him. Our lives should more and more reflect every day that we love Jesus more than we love our want-tos, our desires, our things that we think we ought to have or need or want. But you know what? Many people today, they want their desires, their want-tos, and they leave God out. They say, well, God, I'm going to do this. Bless it. But you know what God wants us to do? He wants to say, God, what is it you want me to have? What is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to focus on and then he'll he'll give us what we need and you know what when he gives it to us we'll be satisfied we'll be joyful we'll be full we'll be blessed because jesus said he came that we might have joy and we might have peace and we might have abundant life even if we have tribulations he says be of good cheer in this world you have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome the world and if we're believers and we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, guess what? We'll overcome too. Have we asked Jesus to forgive us? Have we asked God to forgive us because Jesus died in our place, he was buried, and he rose again the third day? Are we trusted in something we did or didn't do or we're good enough to get into heaven? None of those are going to get you into heaven, folks. Not church membership, not anything else because the Bible says... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by Him. So if you've not trusted in Him, ask Him to forgive you today. Ask Him to save you. You know, it's that little verse. Y'all remember that verse where it says we must become like a what? A little child, right? And what does a little child do? A little child doesn't depend on all the things they can do and, and say, look at me and look how I got here, but what do they do? They trust and they believe and they, they, they just take you at your word, right? When you tell them something. 
And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So if you've not trusted in him, ask him today to forgive you. Ask him today to save you. And then do what? Take him at his word because that's what we call what? Faith, right? God said it and I believe it. Whoever believes what? Shall be saved. It doesn't say whoever behaves or whoever's baptized or whoever joins the church or whoever does this and doesn't do that, but it says whoever believes. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So he said that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And you know what? Our part is to believe it and say, God, forgive me and save me because of what Jesus did. He died for my sins. He was buried and he rose the third day. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ as your Savior, maybe you've known him for many, 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 many years. Just thank him today for who he is and what he's done in your life. And how he continues to be there for you during all difficulties, during all times, the highs, the lows. And just be thankful that he loved you enough and loved me enough that he died for us on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that there's one that doesn't know you today, that they would cry out and ask you to forgive them and ask you to save them, Lord Jesus save me and they would trust you and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and for the rest of us that know you already hopefully that's all of us that we would just be thankful for who you are and what you've done in our lives and what you continue to do most of all that you saved us through Jesus Christ and one day we will be with the bridegroom because we are the bride of Christ and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32.